So the big question is this, are you tired of the hustle and grind of fix and flip? Do you really think you can wholesale your way to success? What you really want is a cash flowing portfolio that lets you live a life of freedom, sunsets and palm trees on your terms. But what if you're stuck because you have no capital, no time and no idea where to start? That ends now. Your host, Corey Peterson, is a rags-to-riches real estate millionaire who started out with no money or credit and quickly grew a portfolio of cash-flowing apartments. Not to mention, he did it all with other people's money. You're only one deal away from creating the cash flow life, and the Multifamily Legacy Podcast will show you how. So now, here's your host, the big kahuna, Corey Peterson. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Multifamily Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Peterson. Third part of a, the wonderful series of University Crossings. I have two of my partners that started with me in, uh, on the deal from the very beginning, and uh, they're none other than uh, Sean Terry and Corey Boatwright. Guys, welcome to the show. Uh, man, this is going to be a fun segment of what we're going to talk about today. Absolutely. What's up, what's up, man? What's I, up? See, I see that rent is due and you look very, very happy because cash flow is coming in. Oh, that's a magical thing. The word of cash flow, dude. Did you guys see my Christmas video? Yes. That, that, that was, was that was really good. <laughs> so oh. make a great Santa. <laughs> I, you know, that's exactly you know, I want to call it stress weight, but I was just really trying to get in character. <laughs> Yeah, so what? You gained like 30 pounds to get in character? Yeah, you know, whatever it takes, right? You know, yeah. you, you know, anything's possible for the camera. <laughs> so, um, guys, let's talk about university crossings. You know, uh, Corey, uh, you know, Sean, but I think this is both your biggest um, apartment. We did a $5 million purchase. And you guys have never done like, you got kind of done a little bit, but something probably not that quite that size. And we took it on together and we kicked it in its butt, but it wasn't without its ups and downs. Yeah. So definitely there was some ups and downs on university crossing, particularly, you know, whenever you're dealing with investors and people want to do a deal with you, particularly on my end, working with a lot of wholesalers, you know, I don't have to go out there and ask for a lot of money. So coming and asking for money from uh, people was a little different on, on my side. And then you get people that want to give you money. They commit to giving you money, but then you have a deadline. And the deadline, you know, is something that was uh, definitely can cause some stress because people uh, have good intentions to invest with you, but then their money might not come in at the right time. Maybe they want to give you uh, even more money, but you can't get it by the time that you have to close. So those were some, you know, big hurdles to uh, to overcome on, on this particular deal. Oh yeah, life life happens, right? Right. Yeah. And like all of a sudden, it's like all the excuses happen too. It's amazing how that happens, right? Yeah. You get a lot of the, you get a lot of excuses. Uh, you get a lot of people that are putting you off. You know, hey, I'll I'll, I'll give you know I, I'm going to look at it next week. Uh, you know, so you have those uh, folks that want to give you money, and then they say, well, I'll meet you next week. I'll meet you next week. I'll, let's let's meet next week, and they kick the can down the road. And so the so the, the interesting thing is everybody has good intentions, but whenever you have a date that you have to close. 
uh, and then you run out of extensions, you run out of time, you have a time that you have to close, then there's really not much that you can do. <laughs> and you've really got to uh, work with uh, folks that actually have the funds to wire and uh, get it in. So that's very interesting. I know you do a lot with that, Corey. And that was the first time on, on my end that I was dealing uh, with such a hard deadline. You get to taste on, that, that, that taste, right? It's and, like, because we all think, right? So I always say, like, when we first start in these deals, everybody's like, man, I, oh, I got lots of contacts. It's, you know, I'll get it. Um, you know, raising, raising money is, you know, a part of the deal. It's not the total part of the deal, but it is a big part of it, right? And right. Um, it really comes down to relationships and trust and um, timing. Because sometimes the timing's just truly wrong for somebody. Like, they mean well, but all of a sudden, um, they're waiting for a sale of a property, especially... You know, a lot of your your network, Corey, I think was for in, is in real estate, and sometimes they're just waiting for things to happen, and then if it doesn't materialize, I mean, it is what it is, right? Right. What yeah. about you, Sean? Yeah. Well, I actually was. It, it, this whole process was amazing. First off, because um, I I went down. I had I got the multifamily bug probably back in two thousand say 2005, 2006, 2007. So what happened was, um, is I, uh, I, we went in escrow on a 306 unit, $13 million purchase property. And the difference between, you know, doing like a compare and contrast difference between, you know, that, that process. And then this process, now we ended up canceling escrow on that process. Thank God. But we didn't know anything about first off to determine if it was a deal or not, right? So we didn't have the spreadsheet like you coached us through to show us if it's a deal. That's huge. Um, we didn't have, you know, uh, we didn't know what due diligence items were actually, uh, you know, what to do or look at the property, even though we spent probably about $30,000 at the time on due diligence. So we didn't really know what due diligence item to look at. And there was a whole bunch of different other factors with the occupancy, the loan we went, we actually secured a loan uh, on the property and the loan was like, you know, 8% loan because it was like a, 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 like a non-recourse loan. Didn't know anything about raising capital. The bottom line is, is that I guess that I, I guess the biggest thing for me was is doing a compare and contrast to two different things. Now, you know, you, you have a, a, a really defined system in place. You have a management company in place that knows exactly what they're doing. You know, you have a, a way to analyze a deal if it's a deal or no deal, which, you know, makes a huge impact. And I've analyzed a lot of deals um, over the time and since we've been working together and right. the deals that don't pencil is right. amazing because they don't have enough cash flow after you pay, you know, everything. And do you just hit on something. I think that's a lot of uh, what a lot of people don't do, right? Because a lot of people, oh, this is a deal, it's a deal, it's a deal, it's a deal. But they're not really looking through it in the right filter because most of the time those deals are not deals, right? right? And there's something viably wrong with them that doesn't make them pencil right. And at the end of the day, I always, you know, we, we talked about it a lot. We want to be able to sleep like a baby. And like even on university crossings right now, we're all sleeping like babies, Right, we're not worried about what's going on. It's it's happening just as we've predicted and planned. Right. Well, you know what the interesting thing. One one thing I like about about your model because there is different you know multifamily investing models, right? So the model is going out and finding the distressed property that has maybe 40, 50, 60 percent occupancy, 
buying that property with, you know, essentially hard money, you know, raising syndication capital, paying 10, 12, 15, 18%, you know, because there's a higher risk involved in that going in, renovating the property and then getting new loan on the property and then potentially exiting that property. Now that works in an inclining market, right? That we have when rents are going up, properties going up. But once the market kind of goes like this, right? Yeah. Well, guess what? If, it, if we have a slight dip in rents, if we have a slight dip in valuations, a, a slight increase in cap rates, well, guess what? Now you're going to be stuck in these huge deals trying to refinance out higher debt that's going to be called in a situation and, and you can be screwed. That to me is not sleeping at night. No, but that's risky. Your model <laughs> is it has to cash flow right from the point of acquisition. So if it cash flows from acquisition, and then you can do some small tweaks to it to increase that cash flow and stabilize it better and get better tenants in there, it just makes way more sense. Now, you have to analyze a lot of deals to find those specific deals. But again, your investors are safe, you sleep better at night, and it's an overall better model because how do people get hurt in 2008? Right. Oh, yeah. We there were all there. Called, we all yeah. know how they got killed in 2008. Yeah. Uh, what was it? It was cash flow. Well, it was, it was the uh, values went down. Cap rates went up. Values went down and loans were called. Right. Yeah. And people yeah. had no new money. The banks weren't even lending. You couldn't get a loan. One thing that you're, you know, huge on, and I, this is one thing that, that has stuck with me is protect investor capital at, you know, at all costs, protect investor capital at all costs. And, it's so easy to get excited about a deal because you're thinking about what that deal potentially could do. But when you really start thinking about if it doesn't do what you think it's going to do, what, what, what's your option, right? And what Sean's talking about on those unstabilized deals, and, and we, know, we, we all know investors that are doing well on some of those unstabilized deals, but the risk and tolerance that's involved in it, the risk that's involved, it's a much different model than uh, what you teach, Corey. And I think one of the things really interesting is that you liken it and put an analogy to a Lamborghini getting those 20 plus IRR rates. Uh, and, and you can get in that Lamborghini and, and you can go, but you're, you, you might die because you're going about 180 all the time and you have to, you have to really know what you're doing or, or you potentially can get, can get hurt versus the Cadillac, which is what University Crossing really is. Uh, and the way that you teach on how to analyze deals is more the Cadillac model where you're get in and it's just cruising. You're not nice going smooth, fast. baby. It's nice and smooth. And when you go to bed at night, you're not worried about uh, you know certain things, the cap or the market, because we're in 10 year plus money. You know, we tend to, tend to get three year or more interest only, just to bump the cash flow a little bit more. Uh, we don't have to refi out in three to five years. And our model is not dependent upon, um, you know, having those rates uh, change and, and, and then change our model. So yeah. I really like the fact that, that, that you teach uh, a model in a way that, that, that really protects the investor capital at, at all costs. And also, it's, it's, uh, should, you should say this too, is that your cash flow generator, your cash flow automator, your calculator that you created is, is, I mean, Sean and I went through a lot of different programs. We saw a lot of different calculators and yours was, I mean, a really a lot simpler, isn't it? By far the simplest. It was by far the simplest 
in order easy to, to understand, like, okay, I understand what I got, right? Yeah, yeah either you get cash flow or you don't, right? You ca- ca- yeah, cash flow. Or if, you know, like, even if you don't, like, say if you did a lot of improvements in year one, you may not be cash rich on year one, but year two and year three, you're like, you should be able to see it come to you, right? And right. so, um, you know, here's what I also want to talk about. Our, so this is vivid in my mind as, um, you know, we're driving from uh, Atlanta to the property. We're all excited. And we get to the property, and it was like, wow. I, I remember watching your guys' face of, like, this yeah. is a really nice, this is actually a little better than we thought, maybe, right? right. Yeah. Except for the little house, the little one building on top of the hill. We were like, okay, that's that's the crapper. That's the one that we're going to fix. Yeah. Right? But you're like, wow. And But more importantly, after we went and looked at that other, pro- uh, Sean, the property that you had, that was a potential Oh yeah, that that was a good another great compare and contrast. <laughs> so let's that, that let's talk a- about that because in my mind, I will never forget when we were coming back from going to that property and going back to our property, and when we got foot on it, we're like, "Oh, praise Jesus!" Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I saw it, and I was like, and you realize, like, and and it was like I in my I, I felt like I saw in Sean and you something clicked. You're like, because. Oh, yeah. Because you thought it was, you're like, man, hey, that other deal, it looked kind of good on paper. It did look good on paper. Right? It, it could have pencil, but when we got there, like, let's talk about our site visit at the other property. Yeah. What, so, so you know, what was what I loved about it is that not only did we all go fly down there, I, I've never been to Columbus, Georgia, didn't know anything about Columbus, Georgia, but uh, quickly found out about Columbus, Georgia, that, in and in, in it's interesting that, you know, Corey finds these sub markets where the cap rate swings don't go like this. Like we're in Phoenix, Arizona right now and Corey's in Oklahoma. Oklahoma is another, you know, kind of a stabilized cap rate market, but Phoenix, I mean, you get cap rates that are nine and you get cap rate count cap rates are like, you know, three to 4%. So the cap rate swing is dramatic where Columbus, Ohio, you're looking at very, you know, there's not these major swings. That's another thing. So, but so then we went out, we went down and we literally were standing on the site we literally turned and you got this massive, huge, you know, Columbus State University where kids are walking across the street, going to their apartment and uh, and just walk in their apartment. And, and I remember sitting there going, holy cow, this thing is literally right next door. It's the only multifamily unit right next door. Right. And, and it was exciting. We're sitting there going, you know, understanding what a deal looks like standing on a deal. Right. Mm-hmm. And not only looking at from the numbers perspective, but then looking at from the location perspective and the, you know, the building perspective for me was huge. So then I got a lead from this guy um, in our group and uh, and he's like, oh, you got to check this property. I've got to check it out. So we took uh, Mike, who Mike's a prior U.S. Marine. So we have a affinity. Yep, yep. Yep. So he's a prior U.S. Marine, and we go in and drive down to this property. And it's weird because you got Columbus, and you got this beautiful university. You got you know University Crossing apartment complex we're on, and then we kind of drive around the hill to the hood, and then we kind of go down this nasty hill and this yeah, and then we get this nasty area, and then we oh hey, there's the apartment. Hey, there it is. <laughs> you know. And we walk in and, you know, there's the positioning. We got the broker. We got the, we got the property manager. We got us coming in there. We got this other guy, the kind of referral guy. And we kind of, and Mike comes in and says, he says, listen, I'm doing the talking here. Just to let you guys know, I'm going to do the talking here. 
and then uh, we'll decide. So first off, he takes 100% control of the entire situation. I'm like, okay, good with me, man. I'm just sitting here. I just want to take notes, right? Yeah, that's all. I was like, dude, this is awesome. Let's just watch from like yeah, far. I mean, it was like, it was, it was better than like a 3D movie. You know, We were like going to the school because I always, I like for me, he was like, Mike gets out of the car and he's, he's kind of looking around. He's like, so how are we going to do this? Yeah. Right? Yeah, how are we going to do <laughs> He's this? like, do you guys want to do it? Or do you want me to do it? And we're like, yeah. no, we think we want you. He's like, okay, well, if I do it, that means I do 90% of the talking. All the talking. <laughs> it was great. So we walk in. We're in this little tiny office. You got the broker there. You got the referral guy there. You got me, me, Corey, and Corey, right? Corey and Corey. And, uh, and then in this poor little property manager lady sitting on the desk with her stuff mile high. <laughs> We're sitting there and and Mike's is sitting back in his chair with his chair. <laughs> and he starts drilling with questions about what's the current occupancy rate, you know, what's the highest occupancy had, what's the lowest occupancy, how many units are open, how many units have been renovated right now. All a series of questions and the, literally, he was gearing the questions about trying to find potential in the property. That's what I got out of it. Yeah. Mainly, and, and, and here, here's what sealed the deal where everybody got up and walked out of the building. We got in our cars and left in a matter of literally 30 seconds after the broker said this and after the uh, property manager. And, the, and it was, is that you have to lower rents to increase occupancy, Right. 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 Mike, well, Mike, Mike was like, he takes his paper, puts it down and goes, well, I think I've heard enough. And we all walk Actually, he said, he goes, that scares, he said, that scares the hell out of me. Yeah, that's yeah he didn't say that. He said something different. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> and so shuts says, it up. Everything's perfect. How we, how are we going to increase rents? How do we get full occupancy? He goes, the only way you get full occupancy is get to lower rents, right? And he's like, and he like freaked up. <laughs> Oh, so, it was it was a classic. That was a classic representation of you know Mike Heckman with AFI, um, yeah. my management company. He's been doing this for such a long time; it's like second nature. But even I, I mean, I have a blast watching him operate, and I learn things all the time by watching him and modeling what he does. But he truly went in and um, and it, he wasn't grilling her; he was just simply yeah. matter of fact. We got to ask the questions. I'm here yeah. on a fact-finding mission, and it was interesting because when we first walked on property, what, what the broker was trying to do was, hey, you guys ready to go see the units? Yeah. Right? They had all the keys. You go see the units, and Mike's like, uh, no. Uh, <laughs> is the manager here? I'd like to talk to her. <laughs> right? Yeah. And makes a beeline. Makes right? a beeline. And goes and just, and, and by, you know, by everybody still making their pleasantries, and Mike's already sitting down and, like, going to school on it, man. <laughs> It's, you know, it's interesting because we all, we had another property, uh, you know, that we flew into Oklahoma and, and have from AFI look at as well. And it's just interesting, the professionalism that comes with AFI, you know, a AFI is, uh, is, is such an incredible management company, you know, and, and just being able to watch them in their, in their genius, watching Mike and his genius, like Sean, I mean, that, that was, that was art. That was it, the best part of the whole trip. That, yeah, was right? that was that was that that way. I, I I wish I would have recorded it or videoed it. Oh my god, that, that would been, be so gold. Gosh damn, that would have been gold. Because because right. here's what happened too, Corey. Remember this? So we got back. So now we're back in the car and we're like, oh man, that's we're glad to be. It's like 
as we go up the hill back, we're like, yeah. oh, it's getting better. Like reality is like, oh man, it's so much nicer. And then we finally pull into our, our apartment complex again. And it was like, gosh, dang, this feels good over yeah. here. Yeah. And then for, it was the realization too of like, why wasn't that a deal? Cause that was such a cost per door cheaper. Yeah. Remember right. Sean? Significantly, almost like $50,000 a door cheaper. I remember you asking me, you're like, Corey, it's like, you, you got you like, dude, I was trying to figure out why the math was like, why wouldn't this be a deal? But now I understand it uh, because it's really about NOI. It's the way you analyze a property from a single family's uh, point of point of view is versus the multifamily, right? A cash flow right. point of view, right? And it was like, and I saw it click. You're like, boom, I get it. I see it, you know, and it was, it was uh, like, I'm so glad we're over here than, and not over there. Cause that would be, well, if we we're raising capital, that'd be risky. Oh yeah. And interesting because you, you come from being a wholesaler. Corey's a wholesaler in uh, Oklahoma. I'm a wholesaler here in, in Phoenix from a wholesaler's perspective and oh, how right. we're trained is to look at deals and distress. And we turn around and it's all numbers based. It's what the comps are, what things worth, the, the, the lower the price, the better off we're going to be to sell it to the highest price. So in, 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 in now when you're looking at multifamily and we're like, wait a minute, this is like $50,000 a door. How can it not be a deal? Right. And then when we go there and we analyze it, look at it and we go, it, it was, it was literally, that was an epic moment for me because I realized it's not price driven, right? It's, it's, it's NOI cash flow potential cash flow driven you know that's that's yeah that's a great great point is we we talk about that quite a bit you know it's like man just it looks so good on paper and i mean if we can just get it lower but the bottom line is is that you know when you buy a dog with fleas um you know you it's gonna be really hard uh to 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 get rid of them and uh even even if you start doing a lot of improvements and make changes um, there at some point, it just becomes something that's just not smart for you to pursue. And you have other opportunities that you're going to bypass by dealing way with better, it. way better. Right. So it's oh, like, okay. Yeah, deal, I remember saying, money. I think it was to either you or Corey or something, something saying, listen, if you were to raise, it was like a $3 million raise. I can't remember what the raise was, but it says a couple of million bucks. Would you want to put your money in that deal? Right. Or would you rather go back to the property that we were just at, right? Our university crossings. And I was like, oh, wait, no, no, no. I'd rather do because university crossing was a lot easier, which is what you're alluding to, Corey, was right. there's an opportunity cost, but also there's a like, um, remember, the, there was two things wrong with that property that we looked at. One, it was um, broken. Um, what? Yeah. It had, yeah. It had, had units in different, different locations. Yeah. Units, and then there were, yeah, split. And you could tell, like, the ones that were not, you couldn't really see, they were definitely blight. Like, no one's paying attention to, to that. That's like the hood. Yeah. And then also the other question that Mike really asked her was, what's the highest you ever got it occupied? <laughs> yeah, I remember that, too. And she said, like, 80-something, like, 85, 85, it felt like. Yeah. And it was like, and because there wasn't a market in that little area. And even though it was, it was felt like it was only like five or seven miles from our property. It wasn't right. that far. Yeah, it wasn't that far. But, but it was far enough to be in the wrong part of the freeway right. or whatever it was that it was like totally different. And it's like, there's just not enough people that even want to live over here. 
even right. if it was all fixed up. Yeah. And so the, the, only, owner, the only way you're going to increase occupancy is lower rents, right? So that's that 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 if, if that's the model, that's not a good yeah. model. He wants us to buy it at full price and yeah. then lower rents and then to lower fill rent. it up. And it's like, oh, that's a bad idea. Yeah. How about we buy it at the right price? And even then, that was, it still wouldn't work. But um, that was one of my biggest takeaways watching uh, this process unfold for you guys was like, oh, wow. Right. I remember it felt like that was a big shift in the difference between a multifamily and what we've always been doing, which is single family and wholesale. Right. Now, it's it's interesting. And, you know, if Corey and I have debated, Corey uh, Bowray and I have debated back and forth and talked about that. It's interesting how your offer model is compared to everybody else. Usually you get you get a lead on a property, 300 units in Tucson or Texas, wherever, and you are taught and trained or to submit an LOI. Once you get an accepted LOI or close to accepted LOI, then you go out, visit the property, meet the management and go through the process. Yours is completely different. Whereas you get a lead on a property, you do all your numbers, do all your due diligence, look at the area, then fly to the property, walk around, understand and meet the meet the people on in place then you come back then you calculate send your LOI and that's a lot different method and I think it, it, it's a lot more it's smarter I, it I didn't cost more money to do it that way but it's yeah. the right way to do it right? it costs more money but but imagine if you would have submit imagine we have submitted LOI and got accepted LOI on that property you know and then and oh then god we, yeah then we're like oh we but then we would have got there and we're like oh this place sucks we would have spent way more money on the due diligence, right? Because that due diligence fee for me is like ten to twelve thousand dollars, right? Yeah. So, but then you're apt to because you got an accepted LOI and you got accepted price without even seeing the place. Now, now you're more apt to try to make the deal work instead right. of yes, deal and then having the deal work itself instead of trying to make a deal work. So, you know, so I thought that was interesting. I think people listening right now, I think that'd be a great benefit to. You know, just don't submit LOIs to all these different offers, and I'll, you know, you get them accepted, and then, and then, you know, and then it's better to actually go out there for even the purposes too. And now it makes you look more serious about right. the deal. You know, man. You know, here's what's here's when you know you're winning, right? So, uh, I'll allude to this. Like, so Alex Blavojevich was the guy that sold us uh, University uh, Crossings, which then just gave me also the Hawkeye deal that I'm closing as well, right? Oh, really? Wow. Yep. And so, um, the same owner. No, it's the same broker. Oh, same broker. broker. Right. Okay. So excellent. And in my mind, this is about, bro- I'm going to, we'll talk about broker relations, but I also want to talk about some, well, we're going to talk a lot more about university crossing because things went wrong, um, from the seller's point of view or for what the seller did. But, uh, with Alex, um, it's funny how relationships based, um, I, 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 I that's why I like going to the property, right. And doing the site visits, getting to know the brokers, talking to them. Um, I don't always go to the site visits personally, but I always make it a point to talk to these brokers. And I do exactly like I teach, which is to find some commonality. So Alex um, loves, uh, he rides motorcycles well, right? Mm-hmm. And so every time we talk, we're talking motorcycles, right? Mm-hmm. And um, it's just been a lot of fun. Like we have a, we have a relationship. And so here I am now getting ready to close in two more days. Uh, my second uh, or my second deal from him, another ten million a uh, ten million dollar purchase, and dude, he's happy as hell. And dude, he's like, hey, listen, what are you guys? What are you doing in February? I'm flying to. Um, I'm doing some enduro motor thing, motor thing, and um, with my dad. Do you want to come with his dad? And he's asking me to come with him. Well, That's huge. 
It's an absolute hell yeah. Of course yeah. I'd come. Right? Because now we have a relationship, and dude, he's seen me perform twice, and we like each other. Right? He's a good, good dude. That goes farther than anything that else that I could teach, which is the relationship of the business. Right? Yeah. And it works the same way with capital, too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's huge because, I mean, he could feed you, you know, deals for the rest of your life. You know? Deal a year. If I only got, only if I got just a deal a year from Alex, he knows that when he submits them, and I even, I teach them this, like, so he's talking to me, I go, Alex, I want to let you know, I really enjoy being on your short list and you calling me when you have a real deal. Right. right? And so I'm also doing some NLP on, I'm like, call me when you got a real deal. Yeah. Uh, no, so, sorry, I've got someone in my office. <laughs> you I too. Got, I got someone came in to get a haircut real quick. <laughs> I, I, I didn't hear a dog, so we're all right. Yeah. <laughs> I know. She was about to bark at me, like, come on, <laughs> now, also, so on University Crossings, it didn't go exactly perfect and almost never, no deal does. Remember, what did the seller do to us that caused us a little bit of um, pain in the pain in the butts. Well, it's interesting. We had, uh, we had a closing date and closing date was set, but because you wrote the contract and the way you wrote the contract and the way the bank uh, expects the property to be, they were under, uh, under, was it under occupancy, right? I think they have like, was it 86% occupancy when they had to be 90 something plus? 89. It had to be 89. We got an exception to be at 89. Right. Right. And um, they yeah, had it. it was for the leases too. There was something around with with uh, the leases counting towards if they've already signed pre-leased. it. Pre-leased. Yeah, the word was pre-leased, and they said, "Oh yeah, these are pre-leased." Wink, wink. But they weren't <laughs> right. They were like totally. There was nothing signed. It was like, but oh, they we're not leased. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> And, uh, you know, it was kind of like this battle where they all of a sudden, and we talk about this a lot, but seller coma, right? That's where, like, a seller gets under contract. He takes his staff and management off-site, and everybody doesn't really care. They don't give a flip. Yet we're in contract for, like, six months. And that was what was happening to where the point where we had to retrade um, our deal. We had to get more time. Um, we tried to get um, – we ended up closing – uh, at 88% or 89%, not enough to get our uh, loan that we wanted. So now we had to do a bridge to perm, which cost us a little bit of money. And and it took a long, a lot longer to close this deal than we initially had wanted. Now, yeah. the good thing about multifamily is when uh, you get to close, all, all sins are forgiven, right? And um, yeah. we're actually in the lease up season of, you know, we're getting ready to take, you know, we've had it. How long have we had this property now? A couple months? Yeah, yeah, a couple months, but it took it took I think it took like ninety days after the original close date to get it to a point to actual close it. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, right. Because we made with the clause was you got to get it up to this point before we'll even start the financing again. Right, and so and and then he wasn't really hitting it, and so and we even offered to send our team uh, to the property to try to make it happen. He didn't want any help. And it was a really kind of, we were kind of going back for this a couple of times where it was like, like, dude, what are you doing? And I remember you guys weren't part of this call, but there was a call that happened where, you know, I'm like, listen, I'm letting you know, I really want to buy your property. And I think you really want to sell it. He's like, I want to sell it. I'm like, then you got to work with me here. Like, right? we got to come together. You got to give the extensions because 
we're basing it on all this stuff. And honestly, you're, you're, you're truly in breach of contract and you don't want right. to, and it's really weird. Um, leverage leverage is leverage is oh. a crazy world, right? But he, if you have it, you're happy. If you don't, you're sucking wind. <laughs> That's true. So true. And yeah, that, explain the leverage that you had in this, because um, if you wouldn't, I, you know, then he could he could have asked for significantly more money. He could have asked for more money, more hard money, more released money. Yeah, because what happened to us as we're trying to wait for him to do this, he's not actually performing. And so now we could sue him for performance. Like, listen, you started off with this occupancy, and now you're over here. Well, you know, that's an, it's a really a hard arg- argument to to win. And yet he's like, well, you didn't close, right? Like, I, finance is not my problem. It's your problem, right? Um, you know, you said you're going to pay it for this. So even though we, there's language in there to kind of give us some some outs, it's not the strongest language. It wouldn't be the strongest argument. And the best thing to do is close. And so sometimes uh, at, there's a point where he had some leverage. And then there was, and then we got, you get a you know something signed. All of a sudden the leverage is back on our foot, right? Yeah. And we even beat him up for uh, initially... For I think a couple hundred thousand dollars for um, capex items, or I can't remember exactly. It's funny you think I I know this deal exactly, but after three, yeah, hours, it was I'm a fuzzy. On the, yeah, it was on the older units, right? It was like yeah, from the older units. Yeah. So. Yeah. What so else was I, important I, to you guys on that deal? Like, what did you feel like you learned, or oh, just the whole I overall learned. process? I mean, I I learned that literally the entire process from start to finish. Um, when it, when it, you know, even to the point where working with the attorneys, getting the private placement, you know, in place, going through the documents, you know, um, when it comes down to a correct marketing package that you're going to present to investors and how to present the marketing package to investors in a way that will get them excited about certain things of the property. And the way the, the way the, the, the interesting thing that was different and a little bit harder to kind to, to kind of uh, work with is that the financing was a six and six. I mean, not financing it. The, the return for investors was a six and six, a 6% pref and a 6% on the, on the sale of the property. So a, literally a 12% max an investor could make. So if the deal made, if, if, if we bought it for 5 million, sold it for 50 million, the investor would only make 12%. So on $100,000 over a five-year period, they make 60 grand. Don't say that in a bad way, Sean. (laughs) I know. I'm not saying in a bad way, but for me- My investors love 12%. Yeah, when it comes to raising capital, there's two ways to raise it. And and talking about what I've learned of the way you raise capital and the way I was under the impression you raise capital, you know, you tend, I tend to want to raise capital based upon- the upside and what you can get and the, you know, what the deal could do and the, 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 uh, the potential of the property, but you raise capital on the safety side of it saying, listen, I'm your safe money. I'm, I'm the place that you have your retirement money in. I'm not the stock speculation, you know, and if you want to go buy a apartment complex, 60% occupied that, you know, and then renovate it with hard money and then turn around and raise capital and do that. Yeah. Well, take your, betting money and go put it on that, but take your safe money that you're going to live on for the rest of your life. Boom. That's your six and six. So, so, um, so I, I'm, I'm, you know, that was a different mindset shift for me, but it's amazing that 
if you talk to the right person, they'll respond to that because what's an investor's biggest concern? Their number one concern is when am I going to, how am I going to get my money back? Is my money safe? When am I going to get it back? And am I going to get it back? If you can answer those questions in a logical way and, and let them understand that, that how that property is going to afford, afford us to become successful and then they're going to get their money back, it solves huge amount of problems, right? And, and then, it does. And yeah. it, it's really bad. And you said it right, the right avatar, right? Or the, the right kind of person. And usually that's the person that's mainly in the stock market, right? So someone that's in the stock market with their yeah. self-directed, their IRAs or their their uh, you know Charles Schwab account, Fidelity account, um, they're usually not doing a 12% return. They're, you know, their advisors are telling them six to eight, right? So yeah. if they can get 12, they're actually making better returns without the volatility. Right. But for those types of investors, and there's a gazillion of them out there, um, yep. that what we offer is just a little bit better and it's consistent yeah. versus what I call, uh, you know, big Papa, right? Like I don't have any big Papas in my deals. Like the, the guy with, you know, the golden ring and about 4 million bucks, right? Like I don't have those guys. I just have lots of, I call them mom and pops, hundred, 200, $300,000 chunks. And, um, I, I think there's a lot of value in that. And I feel like I, I take my Wall Street investing properties and then we come down to a Main Street level and service it with normal people that want to grow their money like the big guys. Exactly. Yeah, it's a great it's a great opportunity. It was def definitely different. What, what uh, about you, Corey? What was your biggest? Um, I, I, that was a big one. Uh, and that was definitely had, had, its, has its, uh, had its challenges where a lot of it was just like uh, Sean said, just changing the mindset. But once you got there and you tweaked it, 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 it worked It worked pretty well. The other thing I think that was hugely helpful was your uh, marketing package. You know, your marketing package was extremely professional. It allowed uh, Sean and I to come in and now be a part of that team that he has with AFI, with all the other units that they have under management, all the ones that you have under management. And so the marketing package really presented uh, the, the, the whole investment in a way that is, you know, extremely professional, but also it, it showed just enough information to really see if anybody wants to raise their hand and, and is serious enough about it. And then you get on, get on the phone, talk with them, of course, build, get, we did a lot of that. I mean, we, we all, we, we, we talked, uh, I, I helped talk, you guys talked on your own. That is the one effort that I think that we all collectively, um, we did, we worked our butts off in, bringing in capital and it's not easy um, no. taking those phone calls and calling, but we all did it together. And dude, uh, we raised uh, what one point, what's our raise on that? 1.6 million. Yeah, 1. man. 5 million. Yep. I mean, well, how does that good. feel? It feels pretty damn good, right? Well, it's, it's we interesting. It. I've never, I've never raised, I, I funded all my projects, uh, all the deals we've ever done. I always fund them or I had, my father-in-law, you know, put in a couple hundred grand here and this, you know, uncle put a couple hundred grand in there. Whatever. So I've never really went to a market and raised capital before and actually pitched, you know, a particular deal. But th this is the first time. And I think I've talked to, I think of over 75 different presentations that yeah. I did with people. Um, you guys killed it, man. Honestly, you guys killed it. I, I really, I, I'm thankful that I had you guys in my deal because the, va the value for that, the value is is under the value is going through the presentation over and over and over and over and over and over again 
And then seeing you present it, Corey, right, when you're talking to investors. And so the, the, the amount of experience that you get from, you know, how many deals that you've got. You know, five, yeah. Well, and I just know my ins and outs of like my management company. So really a lot yeah. of times I just tell the little crooks and nannies of our, how we operate, right? Some of those things are like little things that have happened that we've done before. You're like, oh, well, that's a good story. That, that makes sense. They're like, oh, you feel like you get their heads shaking. Yeah, okay, I understand that. Right. right. Yeah. You know what's interesting is that I thought a lot of the investors would come from my real estate network or podcast or my email list or any of that stuff. For them. But all the investors that, that I put in the deal personally came from relationships that people right. I know. I mean, even, even this Hawkeye, even this Hawkeye is like, yeah. I, I got, he's one of my best friends that, you know, that owns a hundred million dollar GC company and his brother now and his dad both want to come in the deal and stuff like that. So it's like, it's like, it, it's like a guy I've known for, for years. We went out, we've been on cruises and Turks and Caicos together and, you know, he's traveling and, you know, but he has a ton of money in the stock market. He doesn't want to do it. He's going to feel comfortable. And I know the floodgates will open for him and his family on this thing. Oh, without a doubt. Like. I mean, he was very excited about it. You know what I mean? And 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 confident in the safe money and, and to be able to answer all those questions are great. So what one of the other things too, you mentioned relationships. Mine was about 50-50. I had 50% relationships and 50% of uh, some investors. But the interesting thing about relationships is that it's it's not it's not about necessarily the money in the beginning. It's really about, like you said, uh, Corey, many times is the story. You know, and and the, the story is 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 incredibly crucial, uh, and on the positioning and and really understanding uh, where this person's head is, what what where their funds are now, are they happy? You know, if they're happy with their returns or it is right now, well, they they don't they don't need anything. But if most of the time they're not, and so whenever you introduce a safe alternative uh, that has got a track record of predictability and a high return, a steady high return that's double digit, um, it, it really does perk their ears uh, quite a bit. But the story is what's, is what's very important. Like my, my relationship with one of my doctors that came in on the deal, it, it, was, it was like, Corey, what, what do you think about this deal? What, you, what do you think? I mean, it was more about almost looking at me and, and saying, if I think it's a good deal, then uh, you're, you're, and then I'll, I'll I'll go ahead and trust you. So that that longevity and that that relationship that that has been built, like John says, that those those relationships that goes that goes a long way. On the other side of that too, that's why it's crucial that whoever you're doing business with. Why it's so great that we're doing business all together. I take a bullet for you, Sean Terry. I take a bullet for Corey Peterson, Shelley, and you've got to think about the people that you're doing business with. Are they in it for a quick buck? Are they in it for the long term? Are they in it to create legacy wealth? And do they really care if something happens, which things do happen, but is is do they really care about the people involved in the deal? You know, and so uh, that's why it's so great uh, that it was easier decision to do this deal. Because Sean, Sean and I had other, other options of what we were looking at, what you know, what we wanted to do with multifamily, and it was yep. so great to work with you. On a deal because we knew that man, you're still in my thunder, dude. Same, we had that same mindset, man. That that mindset when you talk about relationship with your investors, it's also just as important with your relationship with who you're doing the deal with. You, you know, know who, not, you know, you know what my favorite part of this whole deal is. 
is to be able to give it, to do it with you guys. Honestly, yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I, I honestly, I look back at this deal and I was like, man, this was a really fun experience uh, to take a couple new partners and to give them this gift that I know, right? And to have it work for you guys, right? And, yeah. and yeah. in a way that where we can do more deals together, and and we will have a lot. I mean, this is just the tip of the iceberg, right? Yeah, um, for me, I just feel like it's the tip of the iceberg. I'm 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 just kind of breaking into the whole yeah. raising capital thing, but you know, and I enjoy the hell of it because I like doing deals with people that I know, like, and trust. Right? Help me raise capital. Help me part of a deal. As a group, we get better um, together, and um, you know, we we really actually help each other play a better game together than just doing it by yourselves. So right. I really, I really have, in fact. I mean, I, I really look back at this whole transaction and it brings a true smile on my face because I've seen the growth and I got, you know, I feel like I, I feel like I did something right. I helped you guys see it in at least my light, right? Cause there's lots of different ways to do multifamily, but I think you guys got it and understood how, uh, at least how Corey Peterson sees the world through the multifamily lens. And it was a pretty good experience. Yeah, it, it, I, I mean, I, it was a phenomenal experience, and you know, and there, there is obviously uh, you know, everybody wants to partner and stuff like that, and choosing your partners is incredibly important, you know. But you know, I think you know, I'm I'm completely appreciative of what taking us under your wing, showing us how to do presentation, showing us how the that you know the private placements all set up correctly, show us how to talk to investors and position from the hype side to the safe side, you know, but then also to really reiterating that, listen, you know, not every, every, not every, every deal is goes straight up and it's a great deal. There will be problems. And if there are problems, you know, and we are all on the same page of to protect the investor and that comes first before we make any money, yes. we got to make sure we're protected. Um, I think uh, having that in line because I've been in business with people that have been partners that don't have that philosophy and they want to screw the investor, you know, and to save their own pocket. And, yeah. you know, I, I, had to, uh, yeah. I, I had to cut the relationship and I actually paid the investors out of my own pocket to, you know, to, to make it right. Yeah. Um, you know, so long, 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 long time ago, but <laughs> the bottom line is, is, uh, is that, uh, I, I think, uh, I think, and I've been to your seminar, I've been to your, uh, your mastermind, your boot camps, and stuff like that. Which anybody, I highly, highly suggest because he takes you through the raising the capital. He takes you through how to analyze the deal. He even gives you a deal to analyze and how to sit down and analyze it. Shows you the whole process of the management company and how it works and puts everything together. But um, everything he teaches is exactly how everything is done in the real world. So there is a hundred percent congruency between what is said and what is done, which is rare in this day and age. Yeah, and I'll, I'll brag on you too, man. I mean, your event was was incredible. It was great. You brought an SEC attorney, the same one that we used on our deal. You brought in your management, you know, your management company on uh, anytime that they're uh, there talk. I mean, the same one that you're using on your deal. You brought in people that are, uh, you know, in, involved in the transaction, the same one. I mean, so it was the congruency factor was was huge. And then also the exercises of going through those exercises, breaking into little groups, giving little examples and and tests and things like that. Um, you know, plus just your entertainment, Corey, was great, too. But yeah, just the education side 
uh, is, uh, was, was phenomenal, man. And so, uh, it's incredibly, incredibly helpful and, and blessed to be in business with you. Uh, thanks guys. Hey, like, with that said, I think we can wrap it up on that note. That's a great experience. University crossings, Columbus, Georgia, a killer deal. We're going to make crap load of money when we sell it. Our investors are happy as hell. They got their first payment coming January 20th and, uh, Merry Christmas to you guys. And uh, you know what? Let's have a great new year. Yeah, I'm excited. Absolutely. I'm excited. Now we got Hawkeye closing too. I'm excited about that one. It just doesn't stop. The fun never stops over <laughs> here with the Kahuna. You guys have a great day. Thanks a lot. Hey, if you're listening to this podcast right now and you want to get in the multifamily space, do not hesitate. Stop what you're doing right now. Go to kahunawealthbuilders.com and click the quick start workshop. That is the best way for free to get a crap ton of training from me, the Big Kahuna. Remember, if you believe it, you can achieve it. Your paradise is possible.